IB Talk, the global insurance industry podcast presented by Insurance Business. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to IB Talk, the global insurance industry podcast brought to you by Insurance Business. I'm Paul Lucas, the managing editor of Insurance Business. And over the last six months or so of this podcast, you've probably got used to us inviting various industry experts onto the show, whether they be CEOs, sales specialists, or sector heads. But don't we always hear that corporate cliche that insurance needs to think outside the box, that it needs to stop looking inwardly and start taking on the thoughts of those outside the industry? And then don't we always hear that insurance needs to attract the millennial generation, do it all it can to bring in younger people with fresh opinions? Uh, well, here's a newsflash, everybody. Millennials aren't that young anymore. I myself scrape into that millennial bracket and I am edging dangerously close to the big 4-0 with plenty of grey hair to prove it. Now, if we really want fresh opinions and to engage the audience not just of today, but of tomorrow too, we need to be talking to Generation Z. And today, I am fortunate enough to welcome someone who is not only from that generation, but who has an inspiring story of her own uh, that should make everyone take stock of their own journeys. She is the creator and host of the It Starts With Action podcast, Presence Plum. Presence, welcome to IB Talk. Thank you so much, Paul. I'm really excited to be here. Um, So Presence, one of the reasons why I invited you today is that you're actually a a contributor to our Women in Insurance Global Network. Um, But let's start with your story, which I think is just incredible. Um, Can you recount for us what happened to you when you were just 14 years old? I believe it was a a life-changing conversation. Yeah, so I think to talk um, about my what happened when I was 14, I have to quickly do a backtrack to when I was nine. Um, so when I was nine, I, I well, actually no, let's backtrack to when I was born. So I was born in the UK. Um, and then when I was nine, I moved to study abroad in Hong Kong um, because of family reasons, which was very unexpected. So I went to Hong Kong, had no idea how to speak the language, how to talk the language, like just was complete culture shock. Um, so I was yeah thrown into a school which I had no idea how to interact with people. And that's when you could say my nightmare kind of started. Um, I was never good at school. Grades were always the worst. Um, and in Hong Kong, they rank you and they show you, you know, where you rank. So um, I was the bottom of the bottom and people started to notice and I think everyone, when you're young, it's it's easy to get into stuff related to bullying. So I was bullied a lot for my grades um, and I became a very insecure, un- like not confident person. Um, so that kind of started my journey of just, yeah, uh, being very insecure. Um, and then one day it was I still remember I was on the train, not the train, um, school bus back home. and everyone was just yeah talking about the grade that I got in my most recent exam um and it was just so painful because it was like it wasn't the first time it would happen all the time and then I went home just had a massive breakdown and just uh, said that I need to change I need to do something I need to prove them wrong um and so from then I just heads down just started to basically look at my book all the time and realize that's that's how you revise and um it ended up yeah I ended up become really um good in school um got to the um, second place in the year however 
um i became like a study holic and that's all i would think about um and yeah the bullying did stop i started getting compliments instead and i thought oh this is this is great this is um yeah this is what i wanted um and then i changed schools um i thought that everything would be fine make a lot of friends but then I started to get bullied for how I looked. Um, and this is not a unique story. Everyone goes through this. But for me, as someone who was already insecure and wanted to fit in really bad, I thought that maybe there's something wrong with me. Like, I always thought there was something wrong with me. Um, so one summer, I decided to do a quick Google how to lose weight in the summer. I went through a one apple a day diet for a week and that spiraled into six years of anorexia. Um, and so I became someone who just day in, day out, all I would focus on was studying, getting best grades I could, but also eating as little as I could. So I was a bit of an extremist, I guess. Um, and that continued to when I was 14. Um, I ended up, yeah, getting the best grade that I ever got, but I also ended up being the skinniest that I ever got, um, which at the time I was very proud of myself. Um, but then my body basically couldn't take it. My mind was super strong, but my body was the opposite and it shut down. For the people that obviously haven't been through this, I mean, almost I guess the question is how how can you how can you do that I mean I, I'm assuming I mean you said that you went to, to Hong Kong with your parents so I'm assuming you know your family w were giving you food and were you just mm. ignoring that pretending to eat it what what was the situation <laughs> yeah I think I think back and I I'm like wow <laughs> I was wow how did I do that um I think it's a mixture of things because basically my schedule in Hong Kong was quite um crazy well not crazy but I would wake up at six and then go to school at seven and basically stay in school do my work finish school at four but I would stay I would continue to stay in school in the library until seven and then get home at eight and because um like my family in terms of my mum's schedule she would come home at like 11 12 so Honestly, I never really um, saw her that much. Um, and I would just try to stay in school as much as I could so I could avoid it at any meal. So I never, I'm, I'm not someone, well, my family isn't someone where we eat together. So it's quite easy. Um, I just, it was very easy to avoid every situation. I had no friends, so I didn't need to eat out with friends. Um, and uh i would like honestly i would lie <laughs> i would say that i'm going out with friends to eat and when i was actually in the host in in library just studying um and it is surprising that no like i was getting skinnier and skinnier um to the point i was literally yeah a walking skeleton it was really not attractive <laughs> um but no one really said anything i think everyone knew there was something going on but i think because we no one would believe that I would ever have a problem um like I was always happy I was always bubbly um I would never put on a fit like I would yeah I was someone who was always trying to be happy in front of other people and say that everything's really fine I'm doing really well everything's going really good when deep inside I knew that um yeah, I had a problem and well, did you? Sorry, did you? Did you try and hide it? Because uh, I'm guessing if you said that you were walking, you know, like a walking skeleton, as you yeah. described it, 
was it a case that you sort of you know you wore extra thick clothes to make it look sort of you know visually for people as though there was no issue there or were you just carrying on as normal and and people didn't make any comments about it yeah nope I didn't wear anything to cover up I had I I had no idea I was skinny to the point where I was it looked it didn't look normal like to me I never looked I think it's a body dysmorphia so I never I looked at the mirror I never thought I was skinny I always thought I was you know fat <laughs> so I never thought I need to need to hide anything because I thought other people would also see me as fat um but actually people saw me as a skeleton <laughs> and I somehow it's like it feels very weird that I just couldn't see it um yeah. So, so it took it took a, a doctor basically to say to you, you know, hey, you, your life's on the line here. Yeah. And, you know, you describe the situation, you're there in hospital, you've got people alongside you who are maybe, you know, suffering themselves, but perhaps it wasn't through like a choice that they made in the sense that you were trying to, you know, make yourself thinner and so on. So that's yeah. prompted you to, to sort of make this life change. But doing it mentally is something very different to to actually putting into action so how what sort of steps did you take was it a case of okay now I'm going to start eating I'm going to start doing these things and and sort of following my life and add more to my life make new friends as you said that you hadn't previously what sort of changes did you start to make at that point that's it yeah that's a good point um so I think it came from like I the funny thing is I say that you know, when I was 14, facing that feeling of death is what changed me. What really pushed me into true, like, full embracing who I am, like, I think the problem was me, like, the self-hate was really, really, really strong. Like, from the age of nine, I was already, I already didn't see myself as anything. And that continued on until, like, 14. So five years of constant self-hate um is it was really strong in my mind so it was trying to address that but like I said it like even though for, at 14 I knew I had to, to do something about it, I knew I had to change it wasn't until I would say the you know, the end of 17 that I really said that okay I actually want to get better and it was actually because of alopecia that really pushed me to really really change um I, I forgot the quote but isn't there a saying when you when you don't learn your lesson once something else would happen to force you to learn it again well let's 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 focus on that because i i guess for, for people who don't know you, your background so you um you know you obviously were very very ill with with anorexia but you started to improve things a little bit i understand and then yeah uh, you were told that you had developed alopecia. For for those who don't know, can you just briefly explain to us what, what alopecia is and yeah. how it affects you? So alopecia is, I think, 2% of the population have it. Um, it's when your immune system attacks itself, its hair follicles, and you basically lose your hair. Um, and so I lost all my hair in the span of one month. And alopecia is something that affects you for the rest of your life. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I still have it. I'm, I'm wearing, I'm, I'm wearing a wig every day. Um, but that's, 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 that's the thing. That's the thing that really made me realize is I can't control this, and this is going to be for, this is going to stick to me for the rest of my life. Um, because I would wake up every day, look at my cushion. There'll be a bunch of hair, and I would just cry, and then I'll go to bed thinking about tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up again with the same amount of hair loss 
and I'm gonna cry again so it was like morning and night routine was just basically sobbing and just being super depressed so that continued on for two years so 16 16 to 18 and it just got to a point where okay so from the age of nine to 16 anorexia has ruined my life so much and now this alopecia is continuing to ruin my life so and I have no friends and I yeah like what's the difference between living and dying and well, yeah what's the difference between dying and also kind of thinking back to the time I was in hospital I said to myself when I was 14 that I was going to change and that I know how it feels like to you know think of when you're actually you know at the end of your life and how how do you want to f- how what change do you want to make in the world or how do you want people to remember you um and yeah I'm here 18 four years later still even more miserable than before nothing really changed that much I just yeah super disappointed at myself um but I also realized that I was still you know trying to please other people in a way trying to hide who I was because like wearing a wig I would I would never tell anyone I was wearing a wig I knew some people knew and I was I heard people talking about behind my back someone you know shouted across the table during lunch in in the hall about am I wearing a wig so all the insecurities just always haunted me um and I had enough um and so that's when I started to think okay how can I change where 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 does it come from and I realized I was always trying to change myself for other people trying to look for out external sources that would help me um and I needed to start looking more inside me and start my mind and really started to invest in personal development personal growth I became obsessed with podcasts about personal development um, books and courses and just basically realized I need to condition my brain brainwash myself to have more self-belief have more self-love and treat myself with respect uh, and just really focus on myself than anyone else um and so I my room I literally filled it all with affirmations I had a morning routine where every day I would watch a motivational video and just basically just brainwash myself to the point where it became true in a way um was was there a trigger for that though I mean you're saying you you brainwash yourself to to kind of make yourself believe in this and and you filled yourself with with self-affirmation and so on but Mm -hmm. to go from that incredible low the depression and you know everything that you were dealing with um and then to just you know turn it around I'm assuming that you know I mean how did it happen was there a trigger point was there something that just you know hit you one day or was it a very gradual process I think it was like uh, the desire to really change was hit in one day in terms of you know two years of just just it's just like one day just crying and just realizing I've been like this is not how I want to live my life and I need to change but then the actual change was like up and down like one day would be good another day would be bad but because I really knew that I didn't want to go like going back was not an option um so I had to keep going um and that's kind of in hindsight had like, how the idea of it starts of action came about is taking action even when I was not feeling like it even when I was scared even if you know one day wasn't good is just taking mini actions every single day and before you know it you actually changed a lot and you didn't even realize 
let's bring us up to date then. And you know, like you said, you've you've got this podcast now. You are, um, you know, not just on on a in a really good place. It seems you're, yourself, but you're inspiring others to to be in that place as well. Tell us a little bit about um, your your podcast and what you do there, and and also how's your health now. So my health, well, my physical health is great. Um, my hair is actually getting better. Me sharing my story, me being vulnerable was how I made the best friends of my life. Um, and so one one conversation, I was talking with my friend about how, you know, how do we change our lives and what we want for the future um, and how we, so many people have so many ideas, but it never comes to reality. I wanted to recover so many times in my mind, but it never actually truly happened until you know last year or so. And why is that? And it's because we haven't been taking action, which is very simple to say. Um, And listening to all these podcasts from other really crazy, amazing people, they also say it's it's all about taking action. Um, Yet it's so hard at the same time because we have these mindset blocks of fear, rejection, failure. Um, And so that got me thinking about how I got through anorexia and alopecia and then the idea of it's such action to the podcast um and I had a lot of time during lockdown and I was waiting for start university and so thought okay why not um I worked for someone who was doing a podcast I went on a guest as a podcast and I love podcasts so why not try to do one um so I did one with my did the first episode with my friend it was so bad I forgot to record the first 20 minutes um i didn't know how to structure it I ended up asking my friend okay how do I end a podcast so I didn't edit anything out um and that was the most popular podcast today I think because it was so raw and so real um and since then I realized that the podcast was a way for me to basically get out of my comfort zone and talk to people that I don't really know but also people who really inspire me talk about the subject that I love um, and in a way actually help other people through it um, and so I never thought I would be talking to you last year I, I never thought I'd be talking to anyone senior or anyone who really inspires me um, I would always you know follow these people on LinkedIn and say oh my gosh they're so inspiring they're so cool but the podcast has really given me the opportunity to share my passion my voice but also talk to people who are like-minded and what I learned from the podcast is the more you talk about you know what your passion is your personal development you you create your own tribe but also the more like who you surround yourself is so important um I've never surrounded myself with so many ambitious and like growth-minded young people ever and that's changed me a lot in terms of my goals and just yeah realizing that um, I actually want to be kind of a leader in a way. I'm hoping that that you can be a, a leader for us and and give us some tips because you know if we look at if I relate this back to the insurance industry, um, you know, and and we're constantly looking for you know younger people and and how to attract them to the industry. So if I can ask you. What do you think that that your generation is looking for? And again, I know this is quite a sweeping statement, but in general, um, that perhaps you know previous generations were not. I think because I've been having so many conversations with people about like what they want to do in life, their goals, and what's important to them, is that they really want to do something 
that is related to like some bigger mission, something bigger than themselves. Um, and I think like money, income, it's it's something that's short term, but I feel like nowadays people at Gen Z, they really want to do something that would create a, an impact. Um, and they really put that as like a um, top priority in terms of doing something that relates to something they really care about um, and not just for the money because they realize that money will only get you to a certain point but that if you want to keep someone long term then you need to make sure that um, the mission and the values align with Gen Z. So do you think that, I mean, you know, um, if we look at how companies, let's just focus on the money aspect for a minute. If we look Mm -hmm. at how companies sort of advertise the benefits, some of them will say, for example, oh, you know, uh, this role is, you know, 30,000 a year or something like that. Others will say, what would you work for? They hide that sort of um, the amount that perhaps they've got in mind and they see what you are aiming for. From your perspective, which is the best approach? Do you want a fixed kind of uh, cost for a role or would you rather see that sort of flexibility and maybe I can get more from this company or actually maybe they will pay me less it, 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 where do you stand on that that's an interesting point I actually haven't really thought about um, but I've also been talking kind of similar in terms of because I'm doing some other business projects like do we tell people the price or do we not and I feel like everyone values honesty and um, just being very upfront Um, I never knew that not putting the uh, salary was something that meant it would like change depending on the person I always thought it was just fixed but just not they didn't tell you Um, but I personally yeah I just can say with my personal view I think it's nice to just be upfront and like know from the get-go and more so I guess Gen Z's are especially like we're just kind of started work just into the workplace and we really want to learn we really want to grow so I think we would value more opportunities leadership like leadership training opportunities um, so yeah, the non-money side of things to really grow, learn your learn skills. Um, if companies could provide more training, um, and yeah, talk about that in the job description, I think. Yeah, so you want to see because I mean a lot of companies don't they they when they talk about benefits, for example, they will promote the fact that maybe they offer flexible working time or maybe they have um, a football table in the office or something like this yeah. um, but 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 they don't necessarily focus on you know what they will do to sort of help you climb the career ladder do, is that something that mm. you want mapped out for you you want to see hey you know okay i'm starting maybe at the bottom of your company but i w- want to see that i've got steps that are going to take me further yeah definitely i think it would be definitely nice to have like a senior mentor in a company to kind of guide you and ask you where do you want to be in five years and how can we help you become that person in five years in this company um, I've been talking to someone who I won't say the industry not the insurance industry but she was really unhappy um, because basically she feels like she's not supported from like people in the senior positions and she's always I guess given all the boring tasks in the beginning um like doing presentations and like just 
making the presentations and not exactly the exciting um big stuff which i guess it makes sense but at the same time i feel like it's it would be nice if people like gen z's from the beginning could be involved in like the more important aspects because we like challenges um and i think our generation is very adaptable i think covid has really taught us a lot of life lessons um, as a generation that would be really good um for like the future of work um and so i think pushing us more having more challenges than um because our generation we i think we get bored quite easily um so having a range of different work that challenges us would probably be more exciting than a job that pays you know x amount but you do the same work every day yeah so so, so variety and so on is is really important to you as as, as well as development and, and and to be honest i i guess i'm sure there's people listening to this from the insurance industry thinking you know there's so many there's so much potential yeah variety, but, but perhaps they don't advertise that enough so that's that's very interesting is it important for you as well that a company be ethical that it maybe has some sort of corporate uh, social responsibility initiatives maybe environmental or charitable um how much stock do you put into things like that? I mean, for me, it's it definitely is very important because I think, like I said, as Gen Zs, um, we want to be a part of something that is meaningful. We want to feel like we're making a big difference. Um, and so, if the com- if we know that the company is doing something related to, for example, mental health or diversity, um, and as like, a Gen Z who would relate to that specific cause we would be more motivated to join i think okay that's that's interesting and and tell me about about how companies can actually go about reaching uh, your generation because that's perhaps uh, a problem in general is actually getting to to talk to you in the first place uh, i guess the sort of the traditional methods are you know doing a, a talk about what it is to be an insurance broker in school or you know sort of uh, appearing at job fairs and things like this, but how would you like them to actually reach you? Mm, in terms of, uh, I guess, I don't know if this is related to reach, but I feel like we, we like listening to these talks and stuff. It's very interesting, but and it's not until we actually get to try it out that we would really understand more about it. Um, and I feel like just the, we have to wait until this long summer internship. As a first year, I'm not even allowed to apply to summer internships because I have to wait until second year. Um, and spring weeks, we only have certain industries. I feel like the a really, I think, um, a really great way would be to just to offer more um interactive insight days um like some insight days i guess well i haven't really went to a lot but i guess in high school the insight days are different from the ones in uni um but ones that are more interactive and really get your hands dirty in a way right away just to just to have a little bit of an experience to really understand what the industry is like because talking about it is in- interesting but i feel like it's not until you really take action on something that you really understand what it's about. Um, and I know that a lot of my um, classmates, we always want to try different things. We want to see what's happening in action as opposed to just listening to someone talk about it. Um, so, yeah, um, in terms of how to reach us, I think definitely universities are a great way, but reality is everyone's on social media. Um, so, maybe a collaborating with other students to create a platform 
to connect basically like collaborate with Gen Zs to con- create a platform to connect different industries and with Gen Zs um, so basically we can help you promote it to um, other people of our generation like ambas- ambassadors perhaps yeah no that, that that makes a lot of sense that's a really interesting idea i think and uh, just you know from your perspective like i said where you're not you know part of the insurance industry or anything like that so from the outside looking in especially as a young person um what's your perception of it as it stands without being involved because i think you know a lot of people outside insurance probably just see it as stuffy and boring is that the case i think um <laughs> um i think that because i don't know too much about it um it feels it feels kind of the same as like most corporate jobs in terms of yeah it feels you know my image is just an office and then you work on stuff but i think it's it's how you look at things in terms of how you phrase it for example if i think more about the insurance industry okay so what i know about insurance is that you are helping for example health insurance you're making people feel more secure with their health um and if they if anything happens you've got their back if i think of it that way then if the industry feels more exciting and more meaningful um but I still don't really understand exactly <laughs> what goes on inside. Um, so it, it feels, it can feel a bit like, um, re- like it's kind of the same as other industries, if that makes sense. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely it does. And, and that's one of the, the reasons why I wanted to get your perspective on it is because I think it's it's important that the industry kind of sees how it is perceived by the outside world. And I think there is, I mean, that certainly matches my expectation that it is seen as a little bit corporate and stuffy and it's going to be sort of all office-based and so on. When, again, you know, I think the reality and the people who are are listening to this uh, podcast will probably say, well, actually, you know, in reality, you can be um, an agricultural insurer and be out on a farm meeting, you know, some farmers, or you can be a terrorism insurer and be sort of picking up the pieces after a huge terrorist attack. There's lots Mm -hmm. of different elements. Yeah, so there's there's lots of different elements, and, and maybe the insurance could do with shouting about those different elements a, a lot more. It's, it's it's very very interesting to get your perspective. Tell us about your own career ambitions. Where do you see uh, yourself in the next five years? Mm, me, <laughs> um, I realise that my view, cha- my like what I want to do, just changes a lot. When I was young, I thought I was going to be an artist. And then I became really interested in the real world and decided economics was for me because I want to do something related to poverty and inequality, maybe in the civil service. But then I realized to change, you really need to go and change someone's mindset and personal development is super interesting. I don't know what there is related to personal development, but it would be super cool to do something like that. Um, I got a coaching certification, so I thought maybe I could use that. Um, and then it's it's kind of like um, I was talking to someone yesterday about how my first term of university went because I'm still in my first year of university. Um, it, a lot of different career talks were going on, a lot of different options, and it felt like, oh my gosh, I need to know what I want to do now. Um, I so it's it was very overwhelming in terms of thinking oh my gosh what do I want to do um everyone's talking about different career options maybe I should do that maybe I should follow their paths um and so for me right now oops sorry so for me right now 
I I can I can see myself doing my own thing, but at the same time, I also can see myself doing um, a job that relates to something completely different that I still need to explore and then have like a side thing. I think for me, it's more so asking myself, who do I want to be? What are the skills that I want to gain? And what's the impact that I want to create? And what company relates to what like, relates to kind of my values and the difference I want to make to the world? Um, and then explore that. It's just I, I want to gain experience. And I feel like everyone wants to gain more experience. But at the same time, all these internships, all these work experience opportunities are so hard to get. There's so many application processes you need to go and do a test and then an interview and then an assessment center just to have like a week of experience has made it a lot harder to really get to you know explore options yeah and i think what what you're saying well again should should resonate for everybody listening that you know this is the sort of the time you know you're in your first year of university this is the time when you are open to options and you're you're wanting perhaps companies to get in front of you and and present um you know what a career with them would look like um so yeah i I think you've given us some some brilliant insights today presence um if anybody wants to reach out to you on the back of this podcast how can they get in touch um so everyone can reach out to me on linkedin i am super active on linkedin and i love having conversations um with people who have more experience than me um and i also hope to give value because one thing is that i realize uh, since i started the podcast a lot of gen z's have reached out to me and asked me how do i have the courage to talk to these people or how do i even get to talk to these people um and we have this feeling where we don't have anything to give um, in order to like reach out to you guys if you guys are more senior Um, and so I just feel like um, well I wouldn't say you should reach out to us but um, it would be amazing if um, you could (laughs) Um, so yeah I don't know where that was going but, um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it works both ways right you, you'd like some people to to, to to reach out to you as as, as well as um, you know you doing the reach outs yeah um, but yeah you can find me on LinkedIn um, Presence Plum I'm always active on there and my podcast is called It Starts With Action which I'm still trying to be a bit more niche but at the moment it's just to inspire people to take action and choose action over fear all about personal development and entrepreneurship Excellent. Presence, thank you very, very much again. Um, To everybody listening, this is our last IB Talk of 2020. Uh, Will you miss us? I hope so. Uh, We will be back after the Christmas break early in the new year, and we very much look forward to talking to you all then. Uh, For now, I'm Paul Lucas. This is IB Talk. See you in 2021. Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you for listening to IB Talk. For the latest episodes, be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts.